This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Mike Smith in for Simi. Let's talk about the student driver now busted for impaired with his instructors sitting right beside him in the uh, driving school car on Sunday, February 2nd. Coquitlam RCMP. They pulled over a car for running a stop sign. A 44-year-old Coquitlam man, he's a student driver, was behind the wheel with a driving instructor beside him in the vehicle. This cop smelled booze. The student driver failed a roadside sobriety test, earning a 90-day license suspension and a ticket. Have a listen to this now. RCMP Corporal Michael McLaughlin. The first thing our officer saw was a car that went through a stop sign, in his opinion, quite badly. So he pulled the car over, and of course, you never know what you're going to get. As he was speaking to the driver, he quickly picked up that there was a driving lesson going on, but he could also smell alcohol. And at that point, uh, when he could smell liquor, he had to start that investigation. This is a really unusual circumstance. It's not often that we pull over a vehicle that's in the middle of a driving lesson and then we start an impaired investigation, but that's what happened here, and it doesn't matter what you're doing behind the wheel, you cannot be impaired. You could clearly see this was a driving school vehicle. It even said student driver right on the back of the vehicle, but I mean, if you go through a stop sign, we're still going to pull you over. The driving instructor in this case appeared to be completely oblivious to the idea that the person driving might be intoxicated and impaired, but uh, Sure enough, that's where the investigation ended up. Okay. Uh, Michael McLaughlin, RCMP corporal there. Uh, let's check in now with Steve Wallace, the owner of Wallace Driving School. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Uh, okay. Have you ever had something like this happen to you with a, a student in your car who <laughs> been drinking? <laughs> Not in your life. I mean, th- this situation, is, is it's, it shows the tip of the iceberg and the problems that are abounding in the driving school business in the lower mainland. And I got to tell you right now, there's 700 driving schools. Only 50 of us teach the graduated licensing course where the students get two credits for high school. Plus they get six months relief of the end phase. So the rest of it is a crapshoot. I'm telling you right now that for this to happen, I would have said it's an impossibility, but the fact is that there's a crew now of investigators going around the province. There's, I think there's 12 of them, and ICBC is surveying a number of the schools, driving schools in the lower mainland, and they've taken away licenses. I know uh, the rumor mayor tells me about a dozen have already been taken away as far as schools are concerned, uh-huh. uh, you know, for poor operation. But i got to tell you something. Now, this is a catalytic event. And I believe that the government now is going to have to take some very serious action because you have three kinds of driving schools in BC. You have the ones that the 50 out of the 700 that teach the course I just mentioned. Then you have a number of other really good schools who don't teach that course but have a relatively good reputation. And then you have a bevy of hundreds of schools who are no more than car rental facilities for a road test. For an instructor to not know that a person is impaired and driving along and allowing someone to go through a stop sign, that should in itself cause a significant investigation. And I'm telling you now that there's a problem. There's a problem in this industry. And I would estimate that at least half of the driving schools uh, that are operational that do not teach the uh, graduate licensing course and have not in business for a number of years to establish a reputation 
are probably operating as car rental facilities for the road test hmm. and nothing more. In- interesting. I, I, as my understanding is that this particular vehicle that was pulled over in this incident was one of those special uh, driving school vehicles where the instructor on the the right hand side of the vehicle has got his own steering wheel and his own set of brakes here, just in case the student loses control of the vehicle. Do you, do you do you guys have those kind of cars at, at Wallace Driving School? Never. We will never do that. Mm. The instructors have to be good enough to be ahead of the vehicle, ahead of the student in every single case. If you need a wheel, if you need a second wheel in order to teach driving, you should probably be doing something else for a living. As far as I'm concerned, the second wheel provision was instituted in Vancouver at the result of many of the driving schools in the 60s. And that was the only jurisdiction that mandated the second wheel. But the the hidden agenda that those driving schools had at the time is they were trying to raise the initial cost of and the investment of getting into business in order to discourage business. My philosophy is quite simple. If you need an extra wheel to teach driving, find some other profession. What happens, though, if you do something like this guy did and runs a, a stop sign, whether whether you're drunk or not? Uh, if, you, if a student is doing something reckless, what do you do as an instructor? There's only one job you have as an instructor, and you have to stay ahead of the student. That's what you have to do. If you're sitting there going, oh, I'm going to correct the mistake that the student makes when they make it, that may be the, that may be the last mistake the student makes in the last, the last breath that you have. The fact is you're either ahead of the student or find another profession. So what, what do you mean by that? I mean, as, as you're approaching the stop sign, you're clearly telling the student, make sure you stop here. Is that what you mean? Or, or, or the student's doing a running commentary and telling you what is about to happen. And yeah. you would fill in the gaps or cause the student to be taking another action prior to any danger taking place. You're entrusted with the safety of people in that car. That's your job. You also have to do certain things that are new to the students. So I know that the public has great compassion for driving driving schools and student drivers. I mean, I get the odd horn honked at me every so often, but the fact is that people realize, and they all think back to the time they learned how to drive and how, how stressful it was. So we get a lot of compassion. But, the, but this situation is abhorrent. Um, I find it embarrassing, and it's a lot. It's a reason why a lot of uh, a lot of uh, driving schools have not set up in that lower mainland cesspool of of driver education because you have a situation where you have phenomenally good operators, or good operators, or just terrible operators, and this was okay. one terrible operator. If you don't know that your student's drunk, if you don't know that your student is going through a stop sign, and you can't handle that. I'm not sure what phone call you might be on or what you're doing, but I, I, I would suggest you have to find another profession. My guest is Steve Wallace, owner of Wallace Driving School. Steve, one of the reasons I always like having you on is you're not afraid to, to say it like it is and, and give your opinion. Let me ask you about a hot-button topic here in our province right now, and that's those uh, anti-pipeline blockades that we've seen. And there's a, there's a driving component to this, of course, because we've seen blockades of bridges in victoria where your company operates we saw the granville street bridge locked down earlier this week we've seen busy critical intersections in vancouver shut down with blockades what are your thoughts on these uh these blockades and how the police and the the province and the government has responded to them well i think that what we've seen is um a route selection so whenever we find that there's going to be a blockade you want to use that as a teaching tool and how you're going to get from a to b uh, in that situation. But what we're also finding is that the manner of protest um, is a major inconvenience for people as far as the economic uh, uh, regard. 
Uh, and so what we're attempting to do is you have to plan your routes and you have to give a good lesson to a student. You can't be simply going up the same highway road, you know, at infinitum. Uh, and so it really is causing us problems as far as business is concerned. And when you, when you imp- interrupt business, you interrupt the tax load. And as such, I think that uh, we're a little stressed by the um, irregularity of where these stoppages are. Usually you can predict where the traffic's going to bunch up and yeah. you can predict what's going on. But, I mean, what would happen if you have people in a tunnel or if you have people on a bridge that are trapped there? Those are the kinds of things you have to concern yourself with. And I, I really have a problem with people who are demonstrating uh, and malaffecting other people in the economy. Let me ask one more quick question. We'll take a, a break and then we'll get some phone calls going. We, Steve always gets a lot of calls here on rules of the road and driving behavior on our road. If you were to say right now, Steve, for people who are wondering about the rules of the road, what would you say is the most commonly misunderstood rule of, of the road in, in British Columbia? Where to stop. It's the simplest rule of all time. Yeah. There's three places the, before the sidewalk, before the white line, or where one road meets another. The stop sign has nothing to do except by fluke as to where you legally have to stop. So where do you stop? You stop before the white line if there's one present. Right. You the stop before the natural path a pedestrian would take across your path. Or the third place is if there's no sidewalk and no white line, you stop before the grass and the road meet because that's where the pedestrians would be walking at the road's edge. Let's get right to your calls. Pete in Vancouver, hi. Hi, yeah, I ask a question for your guest. Um, when do you think the B.C. government will finally follow the research on hands-free cell phones? Because the U.S. National Safety Council, they've got uh, 30, count them, 30 research studies showing that there is no benefit to hands-free versus hands-held. They're both as dangerous it's not holding the phone. It's the distraction. You decrease uh, the part of your brain that processes mu- moving images by a third when you're listening to the phone, not just holding the phone. And you can miss up to 50% of what's happening around you visually looking outside when you're talking on any cell phone. So in terms of like reducing the people harmed by accidents and reducing all the spending on ICBC that the BC par- Liberal Pirate Party looted to pretend they had a balanced budget. The science is obvious. There's lots of science. Why aren't they doing something about it? Steve, Steve, your uh, thoughts. Yeah. Well, well when they, they did their first uh, consultation about the entire province, Prince George and Kamloops and Kelowna and so on, they went all through the province gathering information, and they found that the public would accept um, hands-free but not hand held. So despite the fact you're entirely correct, 100% correct, there is no difference in the distractive quality of a phone that is being handheld or if it's voice activated or hands-free. But what they've done is because it's been socially acceptable by the public, they've allowed hands-free but not hands-held. There is no difference. When the government is going to do it, I have no idea. So, There's a pending election within 18 months, and I don't think anything will happen until after that. So you think they should ban the use of cell phones in cars, period, even hands-free? I is think that, that if they have a hands-free option, it could be used if the, uh, if the vehicle is stopped. That's the key. Oh. Um, okay. What they've done in the United States is they've done a lot more research on this, and the single greatest likelihood of accidental death 
is in a car. It eclipses all other death, all other accidental death, whether it's drowning, electrocution, or anything else that you want to mention. Uh, they do not add up to death in a vehicle. So I know that the U.S. transportation industry and the regulatory authorities are looking at this now. I'm not sure how serious they are about it. And individual states actually have the authority over it. Malcolm in Vancouver, hi. Quick question. My son has failed twice, uh, actually three times. He did run a red light, and he admits that. But it was a shoulder check on the first and the third. And I think there's no standard for the testers. That's my take on it, because what is they're telling you to do more shoulder checks. Ergo, then you're not facing the front, which is what you should be doing. So if you're doing a right-hand shoulder check, Steve, uh, you're, you're taking your eyes away from the, the potential left hand uh, and so on and so forth. So where's the standard? I, I don't believe there is one. I'll give you this uh, in the nutshell. Um, every single time that examiner talks to the student, if they say turn right, signal mirror shoulder. If they say pull over, signal mirror shoulder. If they say turn left, signal mirror shoulder. If they say change lane, signal mirror shoulder. That, this is not a driving test. It's a checking test. And they are adamant despite the fact that you have cameras that may cover the shoulder spot, that you must, no matter what they say to you as an instruction, do signal mirror shoulder. And it's the appropriate shoulders. They pull over, you have to check over the right shoulder. And it's a quick look over the shoulder and then back to the front. That's what's on the test. Even though technology can handle it otherwise, they're always behind the technological curve. And the most common reason for failure on the test is just what you mentioned. It's the shoulder check. The second one is no complete stop. And uh, the third one is the school zone where uh, you have the 30K zone. But they okay. have to check over the right shoulder whenever that examiner talks to them. If the examiner says good morning, signal mirror shoulder, say good morning, because that's what the <laughs> test is. It's a signal mirror shoulder observation test, not a car control test. Let's if the car is in control, well, the test is immediately ended. Ed in Vancouver, hi. How are you? I'm good, Ed. Go ahead. Um, I have a question. Uh, the biggest problem I see in Vancouver driving in the lower mainland is the eagle thing where people will pull up beside you at a traffic light in the parking lane and anything to get ahead of you when the light turns green will actually burn rubber in front of you to avoid the parked cars in the next street. There seems to be this eagle thing of always being ahead of someone else. If you go down Kingsway, as an example, which I just went down, there's always people raising and cutting in and out to get ahead of you. Okay, we just got a minute left. Steve Wallace. Um, I'll give you some advice on that. I don't know how you're going to stop that except through enforcement, but we use them as blockers. If they want to go by on the right-hand side, that's fine. Keep them beside you in the intersection. That way, uh, no one that I know of has ever been killed upon secondary hit at an intersection. So as such, use them as a blocker going through the intersection, then let them ahead. That way you've got a space beside you. Between the blocks, you, try to have you as say, many spaces when, as you can. When you say use as a blocker, you mean keep them beside you in case there's a, a, a vehicle coming in the other direction? In case somebody blows that red light going left to right. That's the yeah. most deadly Ooh. crash is the, is the side impact, okay, the T-bone crash. So keep that vehicle there beside you as an advantage. Use it as a blocker. Let wow. the guy in at the first opportunity and then proceed. It ain't a competition, okay. and you're always going to have people like that in the traffic system. Steve, thanks for coming on. Hey, anytime, Mike. That is Steve Wallace, the owner of Wallace Driving School.